Hi there, I'm Al. Welcome back to the Lore Research Lab. And if you're new here, welcome to the Lore Research Lab, where I ramble about Nintendo video games. So we are back at it again with another extra. And the, you know, the Pokemon company, they're just like, hey, we have some news for you Pokemon fans. And then they're like, there's going to be an, a Pokemon Presents. And I was like, well, crap because i was scrambling to get my pokemon legends arceus episode finished arceus arceus Ar arceus 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 however you want to say it uh, i was scrambling to get that finished before this came out because uh i didn't necessarily think it had anything to do with pokemon arceus specific pokemon legends arceus i just thought that it's going to be another pokemon episode and i want to be able to just have all the time i want to talk about that without another like full discussion type of episode looming over my head so here we are folks we're going to talk about the pokemon presents and some of the things that they've announced so they have some things going on for the uh the world championships in japan so if you are any of those people that participate competitively have fun best of luck they have all kinds of news for that um then there's a lot of stuff they have for different animated series. So there's stuff about the Pokemon um, Horizons series. The trailer looks really cool. Um, I'm not gonna be sharing any audio, so it will be linked in the description if you kind of want to watch along with me um, or just be able to pinpoint the things I'm describing type of thing. Um, it will be linked in the description. Um, so there's Pokemon Horizons the series, looks really good. There's a lot of Pokemon Go updates, Pokemon Unite updates. Um, and as well, we also have Pokemon Masters um, EX updates, which is adding Nimona to the character lineup. So if you play any of these Pokemon um, games, then there's going to be lots of content for you. Um, we also have Pokemon Cafe Remix where Tatsugiri's coming in, and I felt like that's a natural addition considering they're all based, uh, based off of uh, sushi, which is really cool. Then we also have uh, uh, old uh, Pokemon games, spin-off games, coming to uh, Pokemon uh, the Nintendo Switch Online membership. So the Pokemon trading card game, uh, the video game, um, will be uh, coming onto the Nintendo onto Nintendo Switch Online as will the other title which i just want to get the title of correctly um we also have pokemon stadium 2 so which is an absolute classic um so that is really exciting and then there's uh some stuff for uh pokemon sleep um so if you're getting into that because that's recently dropped if you're getting into pokemon sleep um this there's also some uh, gonna be some stuff coming out for that and then next, there will be an animated series set in the Paldea region. So we have the Pokemon Horizon series. Um, uh, we have that show coming out, which is basically since Ash Ketchum has been retired, um, this is what we're going to get going forward. But they've announced a couple other, they have that Netflix one. I forget if that's already come out, but they have that concierge one coming out on Netflix. Now we have Pokemon Paldean Winds. And that also looks pretty cool. So it says the original story will depict the youthful drama of several Academy students as they come into their own, growing and learning as they attend the school. So I think that's, I honestly, all this kind of animated content, it's kind of nice because I felt like basically, like we have the Pokemon trading card games, they have all those kinds of spin offs like Pokemon Snap, uh, Pokemon Stadium, like 
a lot of the spin-offs you can say maybe don't have as much staying power right now and they're definitely uh, a trend for the older Pokemon spin-off games. Um but I think it's kind of nice that we're getting like all these animated series, uh, different ways to experience Pokemon and it also does help that since there's over a thousand Pokemon now at the time that this Pokemon Presents came out there's just over a thousand Pokemon in existence, um, where these animated series will be able to incorporate a lot of new Pokemon and bring back old Pokemon. And um, I don't think I actually really talked about this in the Pokemon Legends Arceus episode um, that I did, but essentially for anyone that's new to Pokemon, you have so many Pokemon to see, even though Pokemon Legends Arceus actually doesn't have that many Pokemon to catch compared to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, what's really cool is that if you are new to this franchise or you're just getting into the games and you've only got like only started playing Pokemon when Sword and Shield came out or when even Pokemon Scarlet and Violet came out, then everything feels really new. So I really appreciate that as well, that they can incorporate the those elements into their animated series. So I am perfectly content with that. And now this really exciting trailer we get. So we're about, I'll get to the exact timestamp. We're about 21 minutes into the Pokemon Presents video. Um, and Mewtwo and Mew just show up. And I and they're showing the Paldean starter Pokemon, their final forms, Quackaval, um, Skeledurge, and Meowskarada. So I'm like, well, this has to be set in Paldea, right? Um, and we just kind of get this very what I'd say aggressive interaction between the two, where Mew has always been characterized as very playful. It's not an actively aggressive Pokemon, whereas Mewtwo feels like it's got a lot of pent up rage and anger, and it's really good at using its psychic telekinetic powers to do stuff. So Mewtwo and Mew are in this like really heated standoff. And then that's when they show a really, a really cool title card art for get Mewtwo, uh, get Mew and Mewtwo. So uh, let's see, uh, um, add Mew to your team and challenge a Mewtwo with the mightiest mark. So uh, the TLDR of this is that Mew is gonna be available. The code drops August 8th um, at the time this, this uh, the Pokemon Presents came out. Um, we get a code for Mew, and then Mewtwo in an upcoming raid, I think it'll be in September. It, it, they list dates for everything, by the way, um, when it comes for uh, getting Mew and Mewtwo. Um, so basically the way that it's characterized in the trailer is that uh, Mew and Mewtwo are bringing their fight to Paldea. So they will, uh, um, we'll get, uh, you'll get your Mew, and then Mewtwo will come in a raid, and then there will be several other, I think, whatever six star uh, raids that will give you useful items that will help you build a team to take on Mewtwo. So um, I think as it stands right now, Mewtwo is going to be the first legendary Pokemon we have a Terra raid for in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is super exciting. Um, I'm trying to think because they've done um, they've done the the Hisuian starter Pokemon. Well, they've done the normal Pokemon with their Hisuian types. Um, then we've had the uh, Gal the Galarian starters, we've had Scorbunny, um, Rillaboom's coming up, I think. I don't know if Rillaboom's out yet, but we've had Inteleon. Um, we've had Delphox, we've had Chestnut, we've had Greninjas, we've had the Kalos starters as well. Um, uh, so there's a lot of starter Pokemon that have been, have had their really own prolific raids, but now, um, Mewtwo's gonna come to the fight and that's gonna be super, super exciting. Um, my understanding is, let's review this for Mew. 
when you enter the, the code from you, that's really cool. Okay, so basically uh, what they're saying in the trailer, um, and also this Mew is only available until September 18th, so we need to get it while we can, folks. Um, and But it says that when you put in your code from Mew, each Mew's terror type nature and moves will differ, which is also really cool. If you don't already know, uh, Mew can learn any move in the game. Like, it can learn genuinely anything. But it's really cool to have randomized move sets basically for when you enter in the code, because then you'll get a unique terror type for each, like, for each Mew that's collected type. You, I think you're only going to get one Mew. My point is that your Mew will be different from someone else's Mew. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so there's 18 different types of Mew that you could potentially get, and like Terra types, and that's pretty cool. And now let's see. So they have the dates, and then we're going to get into um, the DLC. So this will be 23 minutes and 40, uh, uh, 42 seconds into the video. Um, so it's going to show some the trailer footage, and then they themselves are going to kind of break down all the different people you see and whatnot. So I'm going to skip uh, immediately to that just because uh, I don't want to have to try and break down everything bit by bit here when I know that they already explained it. I watched this in advance. I was thinking about doing a live reaction, but honestly, I am fine with um, reviewing the DLC just based off of what they explained to us. So let's see. The music sounds really cool. It looks pretty good. So the DLC is called The Hidden Treasure of Area Zero, and it's divided into two parts, much like our uh, Isle of Armor and Crown Tundra DLC for Sword and Shield. Now, I think, just as from personal experience, my own opinion, the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC did, for me, really help in me enjoying that game more in terms of enjoying Sword more. Um, I got a lot more out of it. Also, there's a lot more Pokemon that you can capture. Um, depending on the game version you get, there's a certain number of legendary Pokemon you can get in Terra Raid. It's not Terra. I'm confusing my raids. Um, in Raid, uh, like Dynamax Raid battles. So I thought that was always really cool. And the fact that particularly in the Crown Tundra, there actually seemed to be like a genuine effort to establish a certain kind of lore that that made the Crown Tundra really engaging. The Isle of Armor is just kind of fun, but Crown Tundra has a bit more, you could say, lore elements. It also, for me, made Zacian and Zamazenta feel more important as legendaries because they just felt like afterthoughts in the main game. So my perspective on recent Pokemon core series game DLC stands that they didn't they did a they did a pretty decent job the first time around and since they're bringing back the dlc format for pokemon scarlet and violet if you don't already have these games i'm pretty sure it will be worth to get pokemon scarlet or violet with the dlc now because from the looks of it i'm already pretty excited more so than i was for uh, crown tundra because crown tundra showed us that they were showing the new Reggie legendary Pokemon, which is Reggie Alecky and Reggie Drago, which are pretty awesome Pokemon, and as well as the Galarian birds, who, despite appearing to maybe be regional forms of the of the uh, Cantonian birds of Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres, they have the same names, different typing, different signature moves, and it's kind of fun how they incorporate that into the game. Anyways, I'm done talking about uh, Sword and Shield DLC. Let's get into Scarlet and Violet DLC. So we're gonna extend beyond the Paldea region, and basically, if you look at the map of Paldea right now in the game, there's a, a in the top right corner, it's kind of blocked off. So maybe what that'll be is a new coastal area we need to go to, take a ferry, and then we'll go to a different map that shows us this uh, the new land that we're gonna be going to, as well as 
the Blueberry Academy that they talk about in the part two of the DLC. But let's see what they're saying here. So we're going to go beyond Paldea, part one, the Teal Mask. So we have... We're going to go to the land of Kitakami, and it looks pretty cool already. Um, so it's kind of like a field trip. Let's see. Supervised by Briar, one of the teachers at Blueberry Academy. So she's from the water school. Yeah, you're on a, you're on a field trip, basically. You're waiting at a bus stop. At the center of the land of Kitakami, a proud mountain stands tall, and also the way that the mountain appears, it looks like a creature because the opening to the cave resembles kind of teeth or fangs, and then there's, you could say, the kind of sheer cliffs or pointed aspects of the mountain. It just resembles horns. Like, the mountain itself looks like something that's alive. Like, it resembles a living creature, you could say. I well, I don't know right now if that actually resembles a Pokémon or if it's the Pokémon behind the Teal Mask, but we have yet to find out. Now, a really cool detail I noticed is that the script that they use for Kitakami actually looks a lot like the script you see in Pokémon Legends Arceus, which I was very pleased to see because um, the text that you see, the script that you see in Pokémon Legends Arceus, because I played the played the game again recently, um, I like this looks very familiar to me. Um, but that was a really cool little detail that I feel like they added. It feels intentional too. Basically, the I, I, this isn't really a theory. There, I the DLC needs to come out for me to actually form more clear cut ideas about things. But uh, in when they first announced that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet were coming to the Switch, Hisui and Zoroark was actually shown in the trailer. Uh, so um, everyone already kind of knew that they're going to bring the Hisuian Pokemon into the games. We just weren't sure how that would be incorporated and the fact that Hisuian Zoroark is from the past. So like, how does, how do we bring that Pokemon into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? It doesn't really make sense from like a continuity aspect, but then they introduce Pokemon Home where you can store your Pokemon in cloud storage basically, and then transfer them to other save data. So um, that, that's what, that's why you can easily have Hisuian Pokemon come into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, as well as the fact that they even just had an event for uh, Zorua, Hisui and Zorua to be um, added to Scarlet and Violet. Um, but the one thing I wanted to add is that if the script here is very similar to what we get in Pokemon Legends Arceus, then I guess where my curiosity is, um, like where it's lying. I'm just, I'm wondering if they're trying to connect Kitakami to Hisui in the sense that we already know that in the storyline of Pokemon Legends Arceus, um, I should probably say at this point, if you don't really know anything that I'm talking about, please listen to my Pokemon Legends Arceus discussion um, and uh, the episode just before this one and any other Pokemon episodes listed in the Lore Research Lab reference episodes. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that in Pokemon Legends Arceus, it is basically said that the people that are living in the hub town that you reside in, Jubilee Village, came from somewhere else. So we already know that, like, basically the proto-versions of other regions were already in existence. Hisui is is uh, is the land that predated what would become the Sinnoh region. So the same could be said for other Pokemon regions. Like, we have the Kanto region, Johto, Unova, Hoenn, um, Kalos, uh, Galar, Alola. We have all these different regions to work with, and now we have Paldea, of course. So I don't think Paldea is excluded from that canon where uh, um, what, uh, a certain area 
at least adjacent to Paldea, you could say, that's what Kitakami seems to imply, um, is that they like the customs or the kind of, you could say, aesthetic of places in a time past are still being carried over now, like the traditions that we see in Legends Arceus, they could have existed elsewhere as well. Um, so this is purely going based off of the script that we see on the signboards in Kitakami, so it's not a whole lot to go off of. But the only the other reason I'm bringing it up as well is that the professor that you meet in Hisui, he comes from a different region. Like that's explicitly stated. He's not actually he doesn't he had, he wasn't living in Hisui all his life. He came from another place and came here to study Pokemon type of thing. So we know that people were all, were coming to the Hisui region, but we also know that people lived outside of Hisui. So my point is that Paldea could be a part of that, and this land, the land of Kitakami, is one that's still almost like a time capsule location where. Um, the rest of Paldea feels a bit more like urban and metropolitan, but this aspect, this is like the countryside. And the really fun uh, thing I want to get into more is how this participates in a consistent yokai tradition, which I've talked about in other uh, episodes, especially my um, Pokemon uh it's, it's focusing on legendary Pokemon. It's from season three. It's listed in the lore research lab uh, reference episodes where I kind of talk about uh, references to Japanese deities and correspondence with uh, traditions we see in the uh, Pokemon universe. Um, so there's that. Uh, anyways, let's move on and get back to the trailer because I'm rambling a lot. But it says in the description, people live at the base of the mountain and grow apples in sprawling orchards. We see a lot of Pokemon from uh, previous generations being reintroduced, um, such as Poochyena. Um, It says rice paddies stretch across the land and, and time passes slowly amid an abundance of nature. So I don't really know why they would include a line like this if I didn't feel like the day-night cycle was actually being affected. So basically in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, there is day-night cycles and certain Pokemon only spawn during the day and certain Pokemon only spawn during the night. So if time passes slowly in Kitakami, I wonder if that's gonna actually have some gameplay um, like consequences in a way. Like uh, if things, if time passes more slowly, will we be able to change the time of day by taking a nap like we did in Pokemon Legends Arceus? Or is it just that uh, you're less likely to see those day and night cycle changes? I'm not sure, but I don't want to read too much into it. And then, yep. In the land of Kitakami, you'll meet a wide variety of Pokemon species that can't be found in Paldea. So again, um, if we're taking a, if we're take, if we're on a school trip and it's implied that we're taking like a bus of some kind, we're not necessarily flying el elsewhere. Then I feel like it's implied that the top right part of the map of Paldea, as it stands right now, which is grayed out, um, there will be a border. We'll take a boat, and then that will take us to Kitakami. Maybe like we bus to the ferry location, and then the ferry takes us, because um, they've used that ferry mechanic in other Pokemon games. So I feel like that'd be kind of kind of fun. Um, uh, but if they can't be found in Paldea, I just feel like that implies that it's not you're not going to be staying on Paldea. We are going to go out to see a little bit. So we see Surskit. Well, Surskit was already here, but we see the different, the Sensu style of Oricorio. We see um, uh, Corfish, Yanma, Trevenant, Hoot Hoot, and Noctowl. So we're going to meet two siblings who study at Blueberry Academy. This isn't where Blueberry Academy is, though. That's in part two. But we meet two siblings from the school, Carmine and her brother, Kieran. Um, and 
They look pretty cool. I think their character, their hair colors are kind of all over the place, but I don't mind the, the school uniforms. They're pretty cool. And with the introduction of the character Kieran, we also see a new evolutionary form of the Pokemon Applin, known as Diplin. And it's basically a candy apple Pokemon. Um, Sarah B's description, um, I'll list, I'll put stuff in the, dis in the uh, links in the description based off of just what we know about the DLC so far uh, and about new Pokemon that they have focused on in the trailer. Um, but basically Diplin is said that the head belongs to one Pokemon and the tail belongs to another Pokemon and they reside within the same candy apple type of thing. My one thing about Diplin though is it still looks like like a smaller or baby like Pokemon because Applin is the star the, the starting form and then it becomes either Appleton or Flapple depending on what like uh what kind of apple you feed Applin that'll change and uh that'll change the aesthetic of its evolution so Appleton looks like a an apple pie um and Flapple is just a flying apple. So Diplin, I'm not sure where they're going to go with this because I really feel like a candy apple is a really creative um, design, but I also feel like Diplin should not be the ending line for this evolutionary line. It'll be cool if Applin becomes Diplin and Diplin becomes something else. But now let's get into some more, you could say, the yokai tradition stuff I was talking about because I've referenced it in several other uh Pokemon related episodes here at the Lore Research Lab. And I feel like there is an effort being made here in Kitakami. So uh, let's see what is being said in the trailer. We're gonna set on a tour of Kitakami to learn all about a folktale passed down in the land. We're gonna learn some rich history. So the so let's listen to the old folktale. The folktale tells of Pokemon who once saved Kitakami from an evil ogre. The legendary Pokemon are as follows. They have statues positioned in a shrine-like structure within the village. Boundaries, I'm assuming. There's three Pokemon that have statues. So we have one that represents Okidogi, which is a, a large bear-like Pokemon. Then we have Monkey Dory, which, true to its name, resembles... Uh, a monkey of some kind, an ape, an ape-like Pokemon, and Pheasantipity, which has a very regal uh, feel to it. I'm blanking on the species of bird, but it reminds me. It reminds me of, of something. Um, these Pokemon are known as the Loyal Three and are hailed as heroes. What'll be interesting is that we also have what are they called? The Treasures of Ruin um, that we do actually get in the. Uh, the main game content of Paldea, we have Qian Pao, Wo Qian, Tinglu, and and Chiyu. I almost forgot the name. That was almost bad. Uh, the Treasures of Ruin are positioned as more, you could say, evil entities that were put away, specifically uh, sealed away, so that way people wouldn't have to experience their potential ruination again. Um, all of their abilities have of ruin as its suffix. Um, so the treasures of ruin feel a lot more, you could say, uh, malign rather than benign, which these loyal three seem to represent. So I don't know if there's going to be any specific interaction of lore between um, the loyal three compared to the treasures of ruin that we do get in Paldea. Um, something does tell me, though, that the uh, uh, 
Okie Dokie, Monkey Dory, and Pheasantipity are just meant to be localized to Kitakami rather than having any other implications outside. Um, because sometimes the way that mythical and legendary Pokemon are treated in core series Pokemon games is they're just very localized. The idea of Mew and Mewtwo coming into this game, those Pokemon are products of the storyline or the kind of world building of Kanto specifically. So I feel like they're being brought in more as like legacy fan service type of thing where we can have them in the game and that'll be really nice rather than you and you two having any lore implications in paldea um the thing with the loyal three is they feel a lot like maybe how entei raiko and suicune feel in gold silver crystal or heart gold and soul silver where um the people of the land know a lot about these pokemon their origins and the fact that they kind of roam around the land they have specific attributes attributed to them but they feel very specific to johto in a lot of ways so even if entei raiko suite can get different forms or are brought back into newer games i have always thought of those three pokemon for example as being very specific to johto i can see that being the case with the loyal three as well but i'm just wondering because they are hailed as heroes as described in this trailer that would present a nice kind of counterpart to uh, 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 the treasures of ruin which feel you could say a bit more evil or villainous in nature not inherently but just that they feel like you could say if you want to get really dramatic harbingers of chaos compared to the loyal three that have saved people from an evil ogre you know what i mean so the positioning of it is kind of interesting to me and then uh we're at 2929 in the video um, I'm sure they'll release individual, like, videos as well for the Pokemon Presents, but just for now, we'll just use the timestamps of the full Pokemon Presents video. So, the timestamp, um, you can see the, a shrine, uh, or, like, you can see this structure that depicts text that, uh, um, talks about the folktale. And this is the script that also reminded me of Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is why I was like, huh, interesting. Inspired by the tale of the Loyal Three and the Evil Ogre, the Festival of Masks is held every uh, is held each year, and the village bustles with people and stalls. This can this is even reminiscent of you could say Tanabata festivals or um, generally festivals that you can see in Japan. Um, and the question that they're presenting is what are like kind of what are the mysteries of this old folk tale? You'll all have to dive in and find out for yourselves. And eventually confronting this evil ogre in question, which will be really cool. And also mask wearing um, that uh, I can't, I will not uh, presume to know or be an expert on that kind of information, but the concepts of masks within these folk tales or in a kind of cultural tradition um, also feels pretty consistent. And this is where I'll talk about the yokai tradition a little bit outside of the masks. The yokai tradition is that uh, basically uh, I want to say 16th and century uh, Japan, that kind of era, that period of history. Um, you had like yokai encyclopedias and people saying that they've seen strange creatures. So there would be lots of folk tales about strange happenings, usually in the countryside, such as a giant spider building a den, or maybe, you know, a boat that is carried by ghosts at sea. Um, so you have different kinds of yokai that both resemble inanimate objects, and then you also have yokai that feel uh, maybe slightly anthropomorphic, but also still having animalistic traits like the tengu. Um, so basically what I want to argue here is the teal mask feels like we're coming back to like a yokai tradition type of feel, where um, yokai 
does not uh, the word itself does not have a direct translation in English, but that it's kind of implied that there are like monsters, creatures with potential supernatural traits, if you will. Um, so with that being the case, um, Pokemon feels very consistent and comparative to a tradition like that, but just brought into um, a different kind of format. So. It's not so much about, you know, learning about all these tales and stories, but certain Pokedex entries of Pokemon you find feel very reminiscent of how certain yokai used to be documented, which is always kind of a fun little kind of comparison or correlation. Um, it's just the idea that you go out into the world and there'll be some kind of, you know, urban legend or folktale about some kind of creature doing something and you being, uh, you being able to actually meet that creature um that is consistent with a yokai tradition the teal mask feels like it's kind of going back to that because i'll say that with pokemon scarlet and violet it doesn't really feel like it's like that's not true it's not that there there's no sense of a yokai tradition or that that correlation even needs to exist like that relationship doesn't actually need to be there at this point the the Pokemon franchise can do what it wants with its conceptualization of pocket monsters, but I like seeing it because Pokemon Legends Arceus does that very much so. It feels like it really goes kind of ham on that theme. And um, I'll say with with uh, what you experience in Paldea before the DLC, you're kind of you're experiencing actually really cool like stories with the three different paths you go along um you can catch all different kinds of pokemon but it doesn't feel like there's an explicit kind of lore narrative being pushed or that there's a developed culture around folk tales per se so it feels like the teal mask dlc is very much dedicated to that and i just appreciate that element you could say you don't have to know or even care for it but it's just really cool to see how the teal mask is essentially incorporating um you could say more cultural elements to it because obviously these games are all they're produced from a company in japan so uh it is products of, of its environment but it's it's a cool historical feel to have to a game it makes it feel more lived in um you can actually experience some kind of immersion because uh the aesthetics of it it's not like you don't see this in the real world so that's again kind of cool to see and i'm a huge fan of this uh this cultural tradition in terms of just the academic aspect of it and then the way that that can be ported and modified for a video game such as pokemon as a fan of pokemon so there's a lot of that then we also introduced to Perrin, who's a photographer. She's in search of a certain Pokemon. I think it's implied that the evil ogre behind the teal mask is the one that she's looking for. But you have some little, you know, um, things to help her out with. You're on a mission to take photos for her. She'll evaluate them. Reminds me of Pokemon Snap, Pokemon U Snap. Um, and then there's a little mini game that you can do, which is the ogre ousting, which is where you can pop ogre balloons to try for a high score. They introduced uh, this balloon popping mechanic as well in Pokemon Legends Arceus, so that's kind of fun. Um, but that's being brought back here. And then um, as a reward, you'll get mochi, which can help your Pokemon grow strong. Um, and different mochi have different effects. So they they already have all kinds of uh, like materials like this already in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, but I feel like the mochi they've included as part of the teal mask DLC specifically, like it comes along with the with the package, you know? So that's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool stuff. 
We also get something called the roto stick, so we can take wider angles using uh, the roto stick to take really cool photos, wider photos. You want to update your profile picture or your trainer icon type of thing. Now we got a wider lens to work with. That's pretty cool. So that's what concludes the teal mask. It's telling us to enjoy our trip in Kitakami. Um, and now we're moving on to the indigo disc. So here we go, Director Cyrano of Blueberry Academy, which is the sister school of Uva Academy or Naranja Academy, will invite you to visit as an exchange student. Blueberry Academy feels a lot smaller compared to, you could say, Kitakami, but it's a, but it still looks really cool. A newly built school, completely on water, like there's, there's no land around it. Um, reminds me of like the Ether Foundation, honestly, that we get in Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Um, where it's just kind of there out on its own doing its own thing this feels way less suspicious compared to the ether foundation because the foundation had like they weren't you couldn't adventure through them but it had slightly different biomes to house different pokemon and it was kind of like a nursery where they take care of pokemon they'll eventually be sent back into the wild it's just a temporary fix uh for taking care of pokemon but then it's also revealed that there's a lot of there's some inward corruption at the ether foundation in sun and moon and ultra sun and ultra moon so there's there's that uh, i don't know if blueberry academy has that kind of stuff going on but they definitely have a lot of social hierarchies which we're going to get into but before getting into those hierarchies uh they introduced the terrarium that's located within the school which has a couple different biomes we have the subtropical savanna biome the coastal biome the canyon biome and the polar biome so they are four artificially created areas and the way that it's appearing on the screen in the trailer is that you have a little bit of a hub area and I'm sure that's your way to get uh, to get to and from each place. I don't know if it's going to be like that per se, but maybe that hub area is just for like uh, talking to people or interacting with people because from the way that like uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet already plays out, there are no limitations to where you can go. You can go wherever you want. Um, as long as Coridon or Miraidon have the capabilities to do so. So I don't know that they're actually going to create, like, physical walls between each bio, but they might do. I, I don't know. Hard to say right now. So each biome has different Pokemon. We see Pokemon like, uh, Beldum, Golurk, uh, what are some of the other ones? Uh, I missed, I missed some of that. Oh, we already have Pyroar and stuff, but anyways, it's pretty cool stuff, like some of the new Pokemon we get. But it's also saying in the trailer that as an exchange student, you'll get to know students of this academy, take on new classes, experience student life that's different than whatever you're used to in Naranja or Uva Academy, which is also kind of cool. Um, so, because uh, I find it really interesting, this game is really focused on incorporating, you could say, the school elements. Um, so learning about Pokemon, how you, uh, like, just like, just learning, yeah, learning about Pokemon, understanding, uh, Pokemon gameplay right down to battling mechanics like this game is very focused on you could say some of the minutiae and specifics about Pokemon rather than the broad stroking generalizations of catch as much Pokemon as you can have fun with it oh there might be some cool legendary Pokemon too like it goes kind of beyond that it's much more focused on the little individual traits that make up your Pokemon gameplay experience uh, which is again a very interesting way of framing the game 
I'd say this this Scarlet and Violet feel like a more concerted effort in that direction of like being more instructional, learning about Pokemon. Um, you're not just doing everything on the go or on the job type of thing like you were in those older core series games. Uh, Scarlet and Violet, now with the DLC as well, you it's a learning experience. Pokemon is a learning experience. And I, again, find that really fascinating. And then they introduce the BB League, which are the, uh, um, which kind of, they represent the elite of the Pokemon trainers at Blueberry Academy, um, and that, so that's the, the BB League. It's a Pokemon battle ranking system, so I'm not sure if, if what they're saying is that you can eventually work your way up into it or just defeat the league and become a champion outside of the champion that you became in Paldea. Like, I'm not sure that's what you're going for, but it's they're basically framing them as the Elite Four of a different school because you have the Elite Four of uh, uh, Paldea, as part of doing the quest that focuses on getting gym badges and stuff, the more traditional Pokemon uh, gameplay mechanic. But this feels a bit different, especially because all the Elite Four at Blueberry Academy, they're all students. So first we have Lacey, who's kind of the, she's the, the level-headed one. She's pretty cool. We have the battle-loving cook, Crispin. Um, we have the cool-headed Amorous. And Drayton, who's pretty laid back and casual, but is very good at battling. What's really cool about his character is they introduce a new Pokemon called Archaludon, which is an evolution of Duraludon introduced in Pokemon Sword and Shield. I can't say, I mean, Steel and Dragon is a really cool type, but I can't say that Duraludon left a huge impression on me. I think it is a pretty decent Pokemon to receive an evolution. Like, I could, I don't know if this will be a new pseudo-legendary officially, but um, I could see Duraludon being pretty cool. Uh, it's it's one of those more inanimate-like Pokemon where it looks like a, a building <laughs> or like like a like a structure of some kind. Uh, it, it does not feel you could say like that animalistic. But Archaludon is honestly not bad. Like I don't totally mind it because I don't know. I actually prefer it to Duraludon. I think. So yeah, I, th I think I prefer it to Duraludon. I think I, I think I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I like Diplin more, if I'm going to be honest, but it's it's cool. Then there's some trials that you can do at the Blueberry Academy, which is really cool, and it'll allow Coridon or Maridon to fly around temporarily, uh, temporarily without running out of energy. And the narrator is saying perhaps this power will be fully unlocked someday. Is that foreshadowing? Um, the DLC, both part one and two, the title of it is The Hidden Treasures of Area Zero, so the way that the story plays out in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is that Pokemon, like, or Crydon and Miraidon, as Pokemon, are weak when you first interact with them. And part of the Path of Legends quest that you can embark on in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is getting these two back to their original power, so they're not as weak. So the idea of them just being able to fly around indefinitely, I don't know if they will actually incorporate that into the game, but I thought that, hey, maybe that's some fun foreshadowing. But yeah, you do some trials in the terrarium. It looks pretty fun. Your typical flying through hoops mini game. You see it in lots of other things. And then they introduce something uh, called an extracurricular activity at the academy known as the League Club. So you can do all kinds of stuff here, such as customizing the room. Uh, there's So again, you have a club room where you can interact with people. You can redecorate it as you please. Um, and... Between Pokemon like Oddish and Alchemy, 
You can find new ways to have fun, such as changing up your Pokeball's throwing style. It's also kind of fun. And then we see, uh, well, you'll be able to invite trainers from Paldea to be your special instructors. We see Kofu, I'm forgetting the trainer of the bug type gym in Paldea. This is really bad. But you can interact with gym leaders from Paldea, bring them here and get to know them better and battle them. So I feel like maybe this isn't something people care a lot about in the post game of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, but you can actually like interact with the faculty at uh, Naranja or Uva Academy to kind of get to know them better, which is a fun little thing. Um, it's not essential to the game playing experience or even completing the game, but I do like that they're trying to make you care a little bit more about the characters. It might be a little bit forced, but it also feels like the uh, you could say the people that are kind of in charge or have some kind of leadership role, they actually do matter. They have a personality. They they have their day job and you can kind of interact and learn more about them. So I don't mind that mechanic. I like Kofu as well, so he's fine. And then it concludes with the uh, saying, "You will your adventure will lead you back to Paldea. And what can the treasure of hidden, what, what can the hidden treasure of Area Zero possibly be? So there's something we don't know about Area Zero. But um, that concludes the video, but there was something that before they start discussing, so before the narrator breaks down each part of the trailer, we do actually see some things that they don't explicitly discuss. So I'm gonna see if I can find that. Let's see. So Indigo Disc. This, yeah, this requires me focusing. So the part that I'm skipping to, I'll give a timestamp. Um, again, I, I'm really liking the music. Feels very like, go out into the world, enjoy your adventure. A lot of Paldea's music actually sounds like that, which is pretty cool. I like that feeling. And it's also showing the fossil Pokemon of Bastiodon and Rampardos. It's pretty cool. I have to wait because I don't want to accidentally skip past it. Um, it's showing us our Elite Four of the BB League. Why is it called the BB League, though? It also shows that turtle Pokemon, Terrapagos, or whatever it's called. They show, I mean, they show that in the animated trailer for Horizons. I don't actually... Yeah, they show it here very briefly, but... Um, we have, we have yet to learn about that. Oh yeah, how could I forget? May as well bring it up here. They are bringing two new Paradox Pokemon. Um, uh, and I'll preface this by saying that we had we have uh, two different legendary Pokemon trios that these new Paradox Pokemon are based off of. So we uh, first got some details of a book that was shown in the main game of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet that seemed to show photos of something that resembled a past form of the Pokemon, legendary Pokemon known as Suicune. Um, which belongs to the legendary beast trio of Entei, Suico, uh, Suicune, and Raikou. Um, and then we were also shown a photo of a Pokemon from the Swords of Justice, which consists of Virizion, Cobalion, Terrakion. There's also a fourth extra mythical one known as Keldeo, but I don't know if 
if the DLC is going to get to that territory or if if they bring any new content to Scarlet and Violet, I don't know if they'll go to that, that they'll go the distance. But what we do get 26 minutes and 43 seconds into the video, we get a shot of a very long necked Raikou. Like this also feels like it could totally be like a yokai kind of creature because it's got these like short kind of like paws and, like and legs very like stubby limbs then a super long giraffe like neck and then it's it's facial um aspects still look pretty consistent with what raiko normally looks like i'd say with walking wake which is the past form of suicune which from a lore standpoint people are confused about i'll tackle that at some point when i have the energy for it not today um but walking wake looks like a past form of suicune but walking wake is much more reptilian in nature um where it's its tails feel its tail is more slender and scaly um it also has like its jaw structure its facial structure and its claws do not look mammalian walking wake looks reptilian and then the future paradox pokemon of the swords of justice belongs to iron leaves who's virizion its design is largely unchanged um uh, pretty cool, uh, it, and the typing also changes for both of those Pokemon, for Walking Wake and Iron Leaves, but Iron Leaves is still pretty consistent with, with, with uh, Virizion. The thing with this Raikou though, I mean, obviously the defining trait being its super long neck, it's goofy but I love it, I love the clouds um, and its little kind of mane around its head, but it still looks very much like Raikou. This is definitely still a very mammalian creature, mammalian-like creature. Um, I, I love it. It will look- I, I can't wait to see what this looks like alongside Walking Wake in the game. But then right after this Raikou, we get a future form of Cobalion. I wonder what the name of this will be because Iron Leaves of Rizion's a grass fighting type, but then it becomes a grass psychic type. So this thing will still maintain its steel typing. I wonder if it'll also become like a psychic type. And Steel, Psych Steel Psychic is a pretty good type pairing. We've seen that with Metagross. Like, we know that we've seen that with Bronzong. We've seen this with other Pokemon. Steel Psychic will be pretty solid for Cobalion, and Cobalion's a great Pokemon. I love the accents and the colors on this. Um, I don't even particularly care that Iron Leaves, based on Virizion, its design doesn't change as much. I think, like, the Swords of Justice, they look great. And to see future forms of them, this excites me because then I feel we're guaranteed we're gonna get a past Paradox Pokemon of Entei and we're gonna get a future Paradox uh, form of Terrakion. I am excited. I really like the direction that they're going in for both these Pokemon. Even if Iron Leaves doesn't feel totally original, I like it. I'm really excited about that. But I actually have to get to the part of the trailer that I want to talk about. I keep getting distracted. Um, so again, a whole montage is showing all the new Pokemon they're bringing back, or rather, Pokemon that they are bringing back from older games but are new to Paldea. We get our little turtle, Terrapagos transforming into the one we see on the Indigo Discover art, and then we get to the hidden, uh, hidden treasures of Area Zero. So I gotta, I gotta slow this right back down. I gotta, I gotta pause and go frame by frame, and I will also provide a timestamp right now. I'm paying attention. Hey, our turtle friend. So, 26 minutes and 58 seconds into the video, here we go. So, almost like kind of old school, like film, like a projector. It's kind of showing like a reel of different film and um, adventuring into Area Zero. Now, we know that we actually do have history class in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so if you're in, if you're taking Professor Ryford's class, you know that there is some history about when excavation projects started in Area Zero, how um, 
way back in history, uh, the treasures of Area Zero were heavily coveted. It led to a significant amount of greed um, encompassing the minds of humans. It also led to the origin of the treasures of ruin, um, which is that it wasn't that they were, uh, they themselves are inherently influenced by greed, but I think it's just that aura of greed um, that the treasures of ruin emerge, cause ruination. So these slideshows may be referring to that kind of maybe a, a similar timeline in history, or sorry, a certain era in history that is consistent with what we what is explained to us in the game based on those history classes. This film reel seems to imply that, no guarantees, but let's see. So the first slide shows uh, three uh, uh, expedition members and then it cuts to another slide where there's several people going down into a subterranean cave and then we get the music of area zero that starts to play at 27 minutes and four seconds and we are shown a screen of uh the inside of a cave as seen from above uh a cliff top within that subterranean cave. Um, there are three, uh, four circles in the shape of, you could say, like a clover almost, with a diamond shape that goes through each of them. There's several shapes you can see, but it's a pretty large geoglyph of a kind. Um, and there's going to be some lore implications from that. Now, the important thing to note is that in Pokemon Scarlet, this is the only area that you can find the past paradox Pokemon known as Roaring Moon in. This is the only place it spawns. So people who play Scarlet absolutely have gone to this place before because this is the only place to catch Roaring Moon. It's also a rare encounter as well. It's not common, so take some time to find it. You're often running around in this area quite a bit. So when you when I first walked into this room, I'm like, this has to be important. There's even a little like pedestal with some writing on it. I think it's um, not, I don't think it's legible. I'd have to double check what that text says, but there there is a little inscription that's not far from this uh, geoglyph, if I if I remember correctly. Um, if not, there is a little tablet in Area Zero towards the Zero Lab that you go to as part of the story. Um, there is a little tablet that is not legible, you can't read it, um, and that might have some potential implications for this cave. Because basically there's several labs, there's four labs, and then the main Zero lab in basically the depths of Area Zero that you get to see in Scarlet and Violet, but we do know that Area Zero was not kind of necessarily an area of science per se, and more an area of exploration. So the question will also be is whether or not they actually expand on what you can adventure to in Area Zero. Area Zero is already quite big, but I feel like they can also do more with it. So if that's the direction they're going in, I'm very excited. I, I, I'm, I'm always down for more Area Zero content. And then it also shows several pillars rising out of the ground. Um, which may be a reference to the crystallized pillars that we do see in the depths of Area Zero, where the Zero Lab is located. It may be a reference to that, um, but it's unclear what phenomena this is linked to, because this actually doesn't have much to do with Coridon and Miridon themselves. This has more to do with the history of Paldea and what was found there, because um, the Paradox Pokemon phenomenon, I don't think, 
started back then. That is actually technically a more recent development of past or future paradox Pokemon being brought to the present. But these giant uh, structures, pillars rising out of the ground do definitely remind me of the crystallized pillars we see in Area Zero, um, which would be in a different location though from that geoglyph we see. That cave is in a different area and is also technically on your way down to the depths of Area Zero. You're not quite there yet. You're still going down the slope. You're not down all the way though. Um, and then, ooh, I got I gotta slow that right back because that just goes by super fast. So nope, I've skipped to the end of it. So then the kind of images go by really fast. So then we get a shot of a of a person alongside a Pokemon. He appears to be a professor of some kind. I don't know if that's Clavel when he was younger. I have to pause it because it, it goes by really fast. Um, let's see. And then it's gonna go like this and then yeah so um oh no maybe not so basically it's showing someone who appears to be a, maybe a professor of some kind authority figure um intellectual expert potentially and he's alongside a pretty tall cyclozar and then right after him uh i missed it again um right after him there's like some diagrams being depicted it's going so fast <laughs> okay Okay, so yeah, so we, oh yeah, so we do see this tablet inscription in um, the outside of the Zero Lab in Area Zero. So it's showing this kind of symbol, these two triangles with circles. And then we have some text, which appears to be the language, like the script used in Paldea. We see that. And then we see some diagrams um, uh, that show like a person silhouette next to whatever uh, item that they found, which again is implied to be this tablet. And then we see another drawing that has measurements, shapes, uh, maybe has something to do with the Zero Lab itself, because this looks like kind of the architectural style, or at least the way that the pillars are shaped. Maybe there's something to do with the the pillars, actually. Maybe that's that's what this diagram shows. I keep missing. Oh my goodness. So I wanted there's someone's having a handshake. It looks to be that same mustachioed individual who appears to be an expert of some kind, but the cycles are. He is shaking hands with someone, I believe. I don't want to miss this. If it's a character model that looks familiar to anyone we've seen in current Paldea, I don't want to miss it. If it's something we knew, I then I still I still want to know. Oh yeah, okay. So it just appears. So again, this feels like it's it, like it's very pertinent to the history of Paldea. These must be two people who um, were focused on, you know. Uh, researching Area Zero, finding out what the hidden treasures are, they're having a handshake, it's almost like an official photo op for like, hey, we're doing this really important thing, or it's going to be a huge breakthrough in science and knowledge and stuff, and we're the people at the front of it, that's what this photo feels like, and that's 27 uh, minutes and 7 seconds into the video, right after that, wow, this is, this is hard, um, I have to go back again, the final time, because after that, they are done with all their little trailer footage stuff. We're almost there, folks. Okay. This is like the fifth time or sixth time I've, done, I've seen this like slideshow pictures. Okay, so we get some Paldean text, and then we get a, a photo that shows a globe. There appear to be several Pokemon circling it. Might have something to do with our little turtle friend. Um, but 
it almost looks like you could say an egg of some kind. It's really hard to tell though, because this might just be referencing the treasures of Area Zero or referencing the kingdom that once was at the center of Paldea and had a lot of influence until the greed came in, I think. Um, my Paldean history knowledge is a little like rough. I 100% am not confirming anything I'm saying right now. This does appear to be referencing our little turtle friend though. So um, Indigo Disc, like, you know, Blueberry Academy is a sister school of Naranja or Uva Academy, but things feel certainly connected, even more than Kitakami. Kitakami feels like maybe more of a side story. Actually, this parallels the Sword and Sh uh, Shield DLC, not uh, in, in a way, because Isle of Armor was your kind of side story fun experience where lore and stuff wasn't as important, but more about the characterization, um, going to a new area. And Crown Tundra is actually connected because Isle of Armor is an island, but Crown Tundra is actually located on the same uh, landmass as Galar. So it's still within Galar's official like boundaries. Um, and that one has all the lore and stuff. So uh, I think Kitakami will have its own localized folktale in the form of its of the Loyal Three and the Evil Ogre. But Blueberry Academy will tie us back to um, Area Zero in this more explicit way. And obviously that's what they're saying in, in the end of this trailer where uh, your adventures will take you back to, the, to Area Zero to find out the hidden treasures. Obviously that's been explicitly stated, but it's a matter of what they're connecting back. If it has something to do with our little turtle friend, um, new Paradox Pokemon, such as our Paradox Raikou and our Paradox Cobalion. I don't know what their names are yet. Hi folks, just making a quick cut because this is at the very end of the episode, but we actually do have confirmed names for the new Paradox Pokemon and the whole thing with our little turtle friend Terrapagos. So basically, uh, Raging Bolt will be Raikou's Paradox form. Uh, so we have uh, Walking Wake and uh, Iron Leaves, but this time we have Raging Bolt and Iron Crown. Terrapagos has two forms, normal form and it's terrestrialized form. So with the evil ochre Pokemon and Terrapagos, we now know that there are, they have unique ter ter terrestrialized forms because with terrestrialization, it's just been usually, they just have a little symbol on top of their head to in indicate their terror type. But now we see Pokemon that have unique terra forms. That's pretty cool, we can officially conclude. But this is all really exciting stuff and I'm very excited for the DLC. I think that about covers all the new information we currently have based off of, uh, um, based off of the, the, for the DLC, based off of the trailer. I'm running out of words and, uh, yeah, so I think there's, again, some really exciting exciting stuff coming out for Pokemon, and I personally am really looking forward to it. So these are my findings, my thoughts on the Pokemon Presents, uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in as always. Um, hoping that all the other content I mentioned in the beginning, you're all looking forward to that. And if you're like me, just really looking forward to what the DLC gives us, uh, I'll see you next time, folks.